Welcome to the Prolific Author Podcast. Let's face it, readers read fiction to feel emotion and be transported and transformed. In this ongoing digital revolution, where online marketing is always in flux, the only way to create a sustainable author business and live off your royalties is to write transformational stories, market at every stage of the author journey, and cultivate a loyal audience of readers. Fortunately, there's never been more opportunity to make a living as a fiction author. Hi, I'm Liesl Hill, USA Today bestselling author and story clarity coach. When I'm not dictating my own stories about dragons, serial killers, and dystopian worlds, I help other authors write their own transformational fiction, position them as bestsellers, and market them like pros. Join me on the podcast where I give writing tips, marketing how-tos, story advice, and interviews with other authors who are in the trenches just like you and making it work. We are prolific authors. Hi, everybody. How's it going? So glad that you could join me today on this live stream where we are going to talk about, um, well, a lot of things. We're going to talk about uh, specifically how to write more words in a shorter amount of time. But um, we're going to get started in just a couple of minutes. I'm going to give people a few more minutes to come in. This particular live is in the morning, and I know that a lot of people are working and might not be able to make it here live, and that is perfectly okay. Um, I would like to do it later on when more people could make it, but unfortunately, my schedule does not provide for that. So I'm going to do the best I can, and there will be replays that I will send out afterward. So don't worry if you can't make it live. Um, I want to take care of a few orders of business before we get started. Um, as people shuffle in, let me know if you can hear me. Let me know if um, everything's working okay. But on that subject, I'm using something called StreamYard, which you can kind of see, oops, other corner up there, uh, <laughs> which um, is kind of an interesting software. It actually, it really does jive well with Facebook, but it doesn't allow me necessarily to see your name unless you give it permission to. So you will see um, probably in the post, there's a place that says, do you want to give Facebook permission to show your name? And I know that freaks some people out, but all it is saying is that you are giving me permission to see your name and Facebook has to make sure that that's okay. Um, so if you don't want to do that, that's perfectly fine. You don't have to give it permission, but just know that if you ask a question and you haven't given it permission to show your name, then I'm um, only going to be able to see something that says Facebook user. Okay. So it's just about whether you want me to be able to see your name or not, because I'm not directly on Facebook. I'm on StreamYard. So if you do want me to be able to see your name, just give it StreamYard permission to show your details to me, which is just your name so that you have a name instead of, you know, random Facebook user. <laughs> All right. Hi, Sarah. How's it going? Hi, everybody who's coming in. I'm glad to see you. Um, let me know if you can hear me or if, if you can't. Maybe just let me know if you can't, if there's any problems, and we will get those fixed. All right. So um, if you want to give StreamYard permission for me to see your name, let's see what else do we have. Oh, okay. One thing that I see a lot is, especially when we get into Q&A portions of the session, I can see your questions, they come through as, as comments, but I can't necessarily tell whether you're talking to me or whether you're talking to each other. So, I mean, I've done this before. Thank you, Sarah, I'm glad you can hear me. Thank you for letting me know that. Um, I've done this before and I've seen other people who use StreamYard do this before. Sometimes to, you know, someone will ask a question in the comments and they're actually asking it to, not directly to me who's presenting, but to somebody else who's on. And they're, you know, it's just you guys talking in the comments and I absolutely encourage that, please do that. But I can't tell whether you're asking me the question or them because of the way that it shows up, it doesn't show that you're maybe responding to a comment. So I just wanted to let you know that up front. 
if someone asks a question, chances are I'm going to answer it. And if it wasn't actually aimed at me, I apologize for that. But that's just kind of the nature of StreamYard. I hope they, uh, I hope they fix that soon so that we can tell that a little bit better. Um, and finally, I, I don't know if this is still a, an issue, but I know that the last time I haven't actually done a live workshop in several months. And the last time that I did it, there was this weird thing going on with Facebook where sometimes when people went into the, um, the community to watch it, especially when I'm live, so not so much with the replay afterward, but when I'm live, it'll show a blank post that's supposed to be the live post and you actually have to scroll down to see me doing the live. Now that was like a problem before I kept getting people going, I see the post, but it's blank. Where are you? And then they would freak out because they couldn't find me. Um, I hope Facebook has fixed that and that's not happening anymore. But if it is, just know that you usually have to scroll down and then you'll see the live. And if anyone asks, maybe, you know, give them a little direction on that because it's in there somewhere, but sometimes Facebook can just be a little bit clunky. Okay. So I think that is all the orders of business I wanted to go over. So let's, um, let's go ahead and get started and jump in to what we have to do today, which is the training, sorry, just moving stuff around here, on um, how to write more words that are high quality in a shorter amount of time. But first of all, let me let me welcome you to the workshop in general, because this is the first day of the four-day workshop, as you hopefully know from the emails that you've gotten. We're going to be going live today, tomorrow, which is Tuesday, and then we're going to skip Wednesday and do Thursday and Friday, okay? And there will be replays. I will send them out by email. They will also live here in the Facebook group. So even if you can't watch them live, you should be fine. You should be able to get a hold of them. Um, we are going to be talking about different things each day. As I said, today we'll talk about how to write higher quality words in shorter amounts of time. Tomorrow, we're going to be talking about transformational stories. On Thursday, we're going to be talking about the big kahuna, which is marketing, what everybody kind of wants to know about and often struggles with. And then we're going to kind of bring it all together on Friday for um, kind of putting together a plan for how you can really launch your author business and become very, very effective at what you do this year in 2022. Now, kind of funny story. I was originally planning to do this in January. I really wanted to do it at the beginning of the year. And some of you may have noticed um, if you looked at Facebook posts and things that there were some of the the little headlines that said January challenge. <laughs> I hope that didn't confuse anyone. I didn't actually realize that they would still be there, show up there when I posted things, but it's because I did originally plan this for January and then I had to push it just for personal reasons. I just couldn't get it together quite fast enough to do it in January. So here we are in February and that's okay. Um, all right, so let's go ahead and get started. Today, specifically, we are going to talk about as I've said, writing higher quality words in shorter amount of time. We're going to cover a few different topics here that will all feed into that. Why we write stories. It's very important for you to know that. The three pillars you'll need for success in your author business. Six habits that all successful authors possess. And of course, we're going to bring that all into, you need to know all of that to understand how to write higher quality words in a shorter amount of time. Because maybe we should first address why would you want to do that? Why would you want to write higher quality? quality words in a shorter amount of time. Well, the high quality, that's pretty obvious. We all want high quality words. And sometimes, you know, getting to the high quality is part of the, the longer part of the process. You know, we all talk about how write the rough draft, absolutely write it so that it's terrible, right? But then it's going back to edit to make it high quality. But there are ways that you can shortcut that. So it's not taking as much time. And of course, we all know the reason for writing in a shorter amount of time is just to build your backlist more quickly because you need a backlist in order to really make very much money on your author royalties, right? So this, this is what we're talking about, just becoming more effective, more efficient at getting your writing done so that you can go from wherever you are now to a higher 
you know, tax bracket, if you will, but specifically for your author royalties. Okay. So let me first introduce myself. A lot of you are in the group and you know who I am. So bear with me if that's you, but we've got a lot of new people in here too, that will be um, watching this, their first workshop from me. That's what this will be for them. Okay. Um, my name is Lisa Hill. As you can see from my book banner here, I write actually three technically different genres, but really you could call it four because two of them are sci-fi fantasy, but they're very, very different subgenres. Um, I have been doing the writing thing professionally for more than 10 years now, closer to 12. And I have currently about 17 books out. I have <laughs> three or four, maybe more than that, that are probably going to come out this year. And that's just because they're mostly finished and just aren't actually out yet. Um, so I've been around the block a few times. I do know what I'm talking about. I know a lot about the indie space, how to do this, the business side of thing, that sort of thing. But um, the funny thing is, when I was growing up, I originally wanted to be a doctor. Now, that's not uncommon. Lots of us wanted to be something in high school and, and went a different way with it, of course. The main reason for that for me is that I had family members who were in the medical field, so it kind of seemed like the natural path for me. Um, and it didn't really happen that way, of course. But the other thing was that I think there's something romantic about kind of what we consider the high-powered jobs in our society, like doctors, um, lawyers to a certain extent, things like that. And so I think that that played into it a lot. I just wanted to be seen almost as a doctor. But um, obviously that was not, not really meant to be. And the funny thing is that when I actually moved into the writing industry, I actually found a significant amount of people who had had a very similar experience. They wanted to be something like that, either in the medical field or some other you know, really high power field. And then they ended up moving to the more of a creative field, you know, doing some sort of writing. So I think that's actually really common. It's something that's not talked about very often in our space, but it does kind of appeal to our sense of romance and just kind of the personality that, you know, ends up lending itself to writing. Um, in college, I actually did take a lot of science-y classes, you know, kind of pre-med classes. But I was always kind of spacing off and thinking of stories in my head. And I kind of had it in the back of my mind that I would do the science thing as a career, but then maybe write books on the side. I had no idea how I thought I would pull that off time-wise, but you know, you're young, you're ambitious, it happens. But pretty soon I just was disconnecting from my courses. And don't get me wrong, I am somebody who is completely um, fascinated by science. And that's a part of the reason I write science fiction. But I also just, you know, I was disconnecting from it as a career. Unlike my classmates, most people who, you know, go after those science careers, they're very action oriented. So they don't like the classroom stuff as much, like the, the lectures and things, but they live for the hands-on stuff. And I was exactly the opposite. I loved the lectures because it fired up my, my imagination. I started thinking about stories having to do with science fiction and things like that. But I hated going to the, um, to the labs where you had to do hands-on things. I thought it was boring. <laughs> I didn't like it. And uh, pretty soon my, my grades were dropping significantly. And I was somebody in high school who was like a straight A student. So that was weird for me to not be getting good grades. But of course, eventually I'm just, I'm very stubborn. I'm very tenacious as we all are. And it took me a long time, like two full semesters to figure out that this was not where I, my heart was, this is not where I wanted to be going. Um, and then I eventually went, okay, well, if I'm not going to pursue this, what am I going to do? And that was really kind of jarring for me because I'm someone who's something of a type A personality. I like to have a plan. I like to know where I'm going with things. So to feel completely directionless was really kind of frightening for me. Fortunately, it only lasted literally a few hours <laughs> because as soon as I realized I wasn't doing the science thing, pretty quickly I came around to writing. I'd always written stories. I'd always loved to read and I knew that's what I wanted to do. And when I changed over to that, it almost felt like my whole life changed. Externally, no, I was still going to college. I just switched my major, but I suddenly loved my classes and I felt like I had direction and I felt like I had so much passion and I could not wait to do this. 
Um, so that was kind of my story of how I came around to writing. For the next few years after college, well, during college and after college, I started trying to write books and publish them. And I did have some success, some early books that were picked up by small publishers, but I didn't, you know, they weren't moving very many copies. I wasn't selling very much. And I didn't feel like I was moving along at a very good pace. I felt like it was taking me a year or more to write a book. And I would look at, you know, as we all do at the high power authors like Stephen King and J.K. Rowling and, um, you know, Mary Higgins Clark and, and some of these who just have so many books out and going, man, I'm going to be retired before I have that many books out. How, how do they do that? You know, and how do you get much traction? Because I, I kind of, you know, quote unquote made it in that I had some books published, but I wasn't certainly living off my royalties. I was seeing in most cases, not even a hundred dollars in a quarter, you know, like it was just a few sales here and there. It was just not much. Um, so I was kind of floundering and I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of you can, uh, can probably relate to that. Have you ever felt that way? Tell me in the, in the comments, if you've been there, if you've, uh, been at the point where you're, you feel like you're doing everything right, but you're just not seeing much traction. Has anyone experienced that before? I'll give you a second to answer because there's a little bit of a delay. Get me some water. All right. So a few of you have. Yes. Okay. Good. So we've all kind of been there before. That's part of the process of starting you're writing. Some people say they're they're living it right now. Yes, floundering. Okay, I'm seeing more um, comments come in. Good. Okay. Well, you know what, guys, don't worry. I know how frustrating that is because, like I said, I was there for several years. But there are ways to pull out of that. So I had thought several times about starting a second part of my business where I would help authors. Like that thought entered my mind quite a few times over the years, but I resisted it. I didn't really want to do it. And it's because I just wanted to write my books and, you know, live a carefree life and live off my royalties. Um, and so I, I, I didn't understand why I couldn't just do that. You know, why, why do I have to, why do I have to do this whole other thing? Right. And that's what most of us want. But then something happened. It was a personal thing about two years ago. I'm not going to go into super big detail, but um, I have run in-home daycares at various times in my life where I take care of kids. And at this time I was watching the kids of a very close friend and one of them was a family member. And let's just say I was very much leaning on that income and they pretty much screwed me over. You know, they not only didn't pay me, but actually outright stole some money from me. And it wasn't very much overall, but because I was had such a low income at that point, I really needed that money. So it was a very frustrating time in my life. And I, I got to this point where I went, you know what? I'm done with this. I, I mean, not done with writing by any means, but I don't want to be at the point where I'm relying on somebody else for my income anymore. I want to be independent. I want to do something. And so I kind of, that's when I launched my podcast and started, you know, thinking about helping other authors. And here's the thing, guys, I've been at this for about two years. I've talked to a lot of authors. I've coached a lot of people, but more than anything else, moving into the entrepreneurial specter like, yeah, specter like that. Sorry, I can't speak today. It gave me a lot of insight into authors and what they I don't want to say what they're doing wrong, but the things that they're not doing. Okay. There are things that are not taught in our space. It's a lot of it is mindset work, but before I felt like I was doing all of the things I needed to do and not seeing much traction. And that's what I hear from my students and from my clients more than anything else. Okay. We all feel that way, but it's because we kind of don't know what we don't know. And the digital revolution is so new that we don't really have courses for this. I mean, we're, we're getting there. We're starting to people teach writing in various ways or marketing, you know, teach ads. But overall, this is not an old industry. This is really, really new. And so 
people are floundering in this space. That's just the way that it is. Okay. So um, what I would like to do is get you to a point where you are not floundering anymore. We all know that writing can take some time, but if you have a proven process to follow, it'll be a lot easier to get there. And it also helps with your confidence. You know, even if you can, even if you're not quite where you want to be yet, you can say, okay, I'm not there yet, but I'm getting there and I know exactly where I am and where I want to be. That's a big part of the reason that people always feel like they're floundering in our space because we're just kind of taking shots in the dark and we, we know where we want to be in, in terms of we want to be making money writing our books, but we don't really understand the steps and the processes to get there. So that's what I'm going to try and help you with during this particular workshop. Okay. How does that sound to everybody? Everybody, what is it? Tell me in the comments what you're most interested in learning about in this workshop. And I will be drinking water because I have a very dry throat today and I've got a lot to say. <laughs> All right, Melissa says you're speaking my language because I'd rather be self-sufficient even if I'm not leaving my day job. Yes, and keep in mind, a lot of us want to leave our day job. Thank you, Melissa. Um, you know, there's a lot of people who have that dream and if that's a wonderful dream and I, I want to get you there if that's what you want. But also, if you're not someone who wants to leave your day job and you just want to do this on the side, that's fine too. But you should still, you know, have these processes so that you can see success, even if you're just doing it part time, even if you're just doing it as a hobby, you know, that sort of thing. This stuff is still for you. Um, let's see. Erica wants to learn about gaining readership. Sarah wants to make sure that what she's writing is grabbing her readers from the start. Good, good. And, and I'm glad you said that, Sarah, because that is really going to be the bedrock of your author career. You know, if you're not grabbing your readers and telling a good story, all the ads in the world are not going to help you sell books. Okay. Um, we're going to talk more about the story part of it tomorrow, but just stay tuned for that. Um, I'd love to retire early. Hey, wouldn't we all, Melissa? I agree. I'd love to retire early as well. Okay. So let's keep going then. Um, I want to, to ask you a question, which you've probably been asked before. Um, why do you want to write stories? I'm sure that you've thought about it before and most authors do, but I would submit that most authors don't think about it quite deeply enough. Okay. Um, most of us, the, what it really boils down to is that we feel called to write, right? We write stories because we can't not write stories. I'm that way. I'm always writing a story in my head, no matter what. So I might as well write it down and, and make it a career, right? Um, I'm going to come back to this and talk about it a little bit more, but first I want you to consider this particular slide. We're going to talk about what people who are happy and fulfilled in their lives have in common. I promise I will tie this into why it's important that you know why you want to write stories. So studies have been done that, that just kind of try to, you know, survey happy people and figure out what they all have in common, what they all have that other people who aren't so happy don't have. The biggest things is that they want and do feel alive. Um, they feel connected to other people and they have meaningful pursuits. Okay. So I want you to really think about that. If you feel alive, then you feel pretty happy. If you're feeling depressed down in the dumps, you know, kind of sluggish, then, then you're not living your best life and you're probably not going to go around telling people you're happy. Right. Same thing with feeling connected. Nobody wants to feel alone. Nobody wants to feel isolated. Um, you know, people have different personalities and, you know, some are introverted, some are extroverted, some are social, some are not, but we want to feel connected to people in some way, you know, deep emotional connection. That's, you know, part of the, the DNA of being human. So we, we need that. And then having meaningful pursuits, having meaningful work to do. Okay. That's super important. And people who have that tend to be a lot happier. 
Okay. So this is going to go back into when I said, you know, being an entrepreneur, I've learned a lot of things um, moving into that sector that I didn't realize before and that a lot of authors don't realize. Okay. This is what I came up with. Whoops. I want to teach people to tell amazing stories that evoke emotion. Here's the thing, guys. We live in a world with very little connection. And I know, I know people always say we're, you know, in a digital way, we're more connected than we've ever been. And that's true. But I'm not talking about digital connection. I'm not talking about connection across the globe. That's that's wonderful. It's, it's amazing that we can do that. But I'm talking about emotional connection. We are so all consumed by our technology that the emotional connection has kind of gone out the window. Okay. And people are craving emotional connection. Okay. And this is how we're going to give it to them. <laughs> so let's, I'm going to back up. Let's go back to the previous slide. As authors, you can give your readers the first two on this list. You can help them to feel alive and you can give them connection. And you do that through your stories. Okay. When we absorb stories in any way, we are living vicariously through those characters. So we see them taking action. We see them um, you know, overcoming obstacles. We see them striving for some specific goal. And then hopefully by the end of the story, obtaining it, that makes us feel alive. And that is why so many people are addicted to books, right? And, and I mean, the same can be said of, of TV, Netflix, movies, you know, whatever, but, but it's story, it's escapism. I always have a little bit of a pet peeve about people who bash escapism. Now I'm probably preaching to the choir. I doubt that's any of you. Um, you wouldn't be here if that was the case, but I've seen things like movie critics and, 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 and that sort of thing that really bash escapism. Now there's some escapism that you might not like, of course, that's totally subjective and that's your opinion, but human beings are wired for story. Okay. They need escapism. And if they don't get it, they actually do become mentally unhealthy. Now there've been studies that have been done um, sorry to go a little sciencey on you, but um, I, I was at a, a, a writer writing conference and this was presented about studies that had been done about the brain and, you know, the, um, oh, what do you call it? The empathy center of the brain. And they would kind of compare that part of the brain between people who consume fictional stories and people who don't. And among the people who consume fictional stories, they their, the empathy centers of their brains would light up way, way more, way brighter, way more than people who don't consume stories. Now, why is that? It's because stories evoke emotion. You know, it helps us to feel the emotions, of course, within ourselves, but it helps us to feel emotions in others, namely the characters. So it helps us to be more empathetic toward one another when we read stories. Now, of course, uh, this can be true also of people who consume, like I said, TVs, television, movies, Netflix, you know, whatever. But it's even stronger if they're reading them because of course books deal more in the feelings and getting in the character's head and inside their motivations where that's just less bring it's brought across to a lesser degree if it's on the screen. Um, so that's, that's really important. And that's something that you can give your readers. All right. So that is what we kind of want to do. I think most authors haven't really thought about it this deeply before. But this, that's probably what you're wanting to do with your stories. You want to write stories that evoke emotion, even if you don't realize it, because you feel that emotion and then you want to share it with others. So you, as the writer, get the feeling. You feel alive by writing stories. You share it with others. They feel alive. And then you have a connection. Okay. This is how we help connect each other through story. And story is, like I said, this is not a new thing. <laughs> this is built into our DNA as human beings. Human beings connect with stories. 
period. And that's never going to change. I'll go into it, um, some more examples as we go along. Um, but that's just, you got to understand that if you want to be really, really successful at writing stories. Now, what about number three? I said you could give your readers one and two. Number three is really, I, okay, you could give it to your readers in the sense that certainly reading highly emotional stories is definitely a meaningful pursuit. As authors, we definitely encourage that, of course. But at the same time, we can't necessarily give directly, give our readers meaning in their lives. That's something they have to do personally. But we are writing the stories, okay? Writing fiction stories um, in order to change the world, help people feel more connected, more alive is a meaningful pursuit. And that's what you're doing or what you want to do. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here, right? Okay. So I truly believe, guys, that writing really amazing, highly connecting stories can change the world. And of course, I don't mean globally. I mean, you might think that's a little over the top. Most of us are not going to write Harry Potter, okay? We're not going to have anything that's quite that... Um, mainstream and all-encompassing. But here's the thing that you've got to understand and, and think about. If you write a story that helps even one person a little bit, if you help a teenager who's going through a hard time, if you um, help someone who's lonely, feel not so lonely, if you help someone who might be somewhat suicidal, feel like, okay, maybe, maybe I ought, you know, life is worth living and I ought to, you know, not be thinking that way. If you've helped anyone, changed anyone through your story, you've already changed the world. Okay, and that is what we're trying to do by telling stories. Because remember, go back to that empathy thing. Stories literally make us more humane. They keep our humanity in place. So the more stories we read, the more feelings we feel, the more we can connect with our fellow pe people and the more humane we will be. And so that, 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 I think, is the main purpose of stories. We are all going to have our own why for why we're writing. But that's a big part of it. That's kind of the, the almost like the umbrella reason, I think, for why most people write, even if they don't know it. Okay. So how about you? Would anyone like to put their why into the comments? Tell me why specifically you want to write stories. Is it this or is there something else that you is kind of spurring you to be here? What do you think? Um... Okay, so Catherine's been writing since she was eight or nine, and she wants to provide supplement income. Absolutely. Uh, residual, residual income, padding a retirement income, or a retirement fund. Sorry, I read that wrong. A lot of you have been writing since you were kids. And you know what? I have too. I, I mean, I didn't actually mention that. But yeah, I, I always wrote stories as a kid. So that's definitely something that a lot of us have in common. And I always hear it one of two ways. Either people have been writing since they were little kids or they came to it late and were really surprised that they decided to do that because they never thought of it as a kid. But either way, it shows that you kind of have the bug <laughs> to write and to tell stories, okay? Yes, I agree, Melissa. I love retreating into my own world and to help other people do that as well. Um, the sensations books have given me over the years. Yes. Thank you, Sarah. I agree with that. She says, I love the sensations books have given me over the years, escaping to another world, living vicariously and wants to help others do that. And see, I love that you put it that way because really what it comes down to, like I said, is helping others. You know, they feel these emotions and it can comfort them. It can make them feel alive. It, of course, it can entertain them. Nothing wrong with just writing great entertainment because it's fun. You know, that that still is helpful to people because the reason we need escapism, I talked about how we need it. It's because our lives can be difficult at times, you know, that we can go through things. The last couple of years, especially, have really thrown a lot of people through a loop. And being able to vicariously live through someone else and feel any kind of positive or cathartic emotion 
helps them get through their own daily life and their own problems. So genuinely, I, I always feel kind of sad when I hear people say, oh, these people are doing this to change the world and I'm over here being creative and as though that's something really selfish, okay? I mean, it's selfish in a good way and I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but you are serving people by writing these stories. You are serving people by helping them through evoking emotions in your stories. And, and I want you to remember that. Don't ever shortchange yourself. Um, but if you really want to help people, if you want to level up your help and your service for those people, you do have to learn how to write stories that connect with them very, very deeply. Okay. So um, let's see. Next, uh, the next problem we run into once we've decided that we want to do this and that we want to pursue stories is the myth of the starving artist. Okay. So let's talk about this for a minute. The myth of the starving artist has been around forever. I mean, it, when you say that, it kind of, at least for me, evokes like, Van Gogh and Picasso. I mean, it's been around forever, but it really is a misconception, guys. The myth of the starting, starving artist says that in order to be a, you know, true creative and a true artist, you can't make any money at it. You have to be starving, living in a mud hut, you know, that sort of thing. But think about everything we just talked about, about how you are serving people with your stories. How are you going to do that if you're living in a mud hut and can't reach anybody? Okay, really and truly, I mean, we could come at this from a lot of angles. The starving artist doesn't generally change the world as much as somebody who really has it together and can make money on their writing. Okay, from a more financial as aspect, you can reach a lot more people if you are successful and have the money to reach more. Okay, it does take some money to run ads and everything, but you're going to help and serve a lot more people with your stories if you have the financial aspect of it together. Okay. And then there's the creative aspect. Okay. If you are constantly wondering where your next paycheck is coming from or where your next meal is coming from, that actually stifles creativity because it puts stress on your brain. Creativity flows from tranquility. It, flow, it flows from um, confidence and calmness. And stress is the opposite of that. So if you are stressed out and if you believe you need to be a stressed out, you know, starving artist in order to be a true writer or a true author, you're never going to have much success, guys. That's just the reality of it. Okay. So I want you to right now um, resolve to get rid of this idea of the starving artist myth. Okay. It, it is a myth. It is a total misconception. And it's unfortunate because there's a lot of people who believe it. But if you really want to be successful, you got to let that go. You got to know that the best way for you to be successful, the best way for you to write stories, reach a lot of people, help a lot of people change the world is to be a successful writer not a starving writer. Okay. So if you take nothing else away from this, I want you to get out of that mindset of the starving artist, because it's just, it's not going to serve you. It's going to hinder you a lot. Okay. So, um, if you, well, let's see, sorry, I kind of lost my place. If you want to start being more successful, get rid of that starving artist mindset, then the time for complaining and making excuses has passed. I'm going to give you a little bit of tough, tough love here. If you sit around thinking, this is hard, I don't know what to do, writing takes a lot of time, writing takes a lot of effort, I don't have enough money for this, anything that is negative, that is not, you know, being positive in your, in your forward journey, that is by definition a victim mindset. Now, I'm not saying that as a critique of anyone. I've had all of those thoughts and plenty more that were negative in my time, okay? It's, it's, it's natural, and, and we're all human, and we all have those, but it is by definition a victim mindset. So just like you have to get rid of that starving artist myth and mindset, you need to get rid of the victim mindset. So here's what I want you to do. 
from now on, whenever you're thinking about your writing, whenever you're struggling with it, whenever you're, you know, trying to move forward with it, when you catch yourself having these negative thoughts about what you can't do because it's too hard in some capacity, I want you to stop and purposely change over to a solution mindset. So nobody's saying that any of those things that I just named are not true. Writing is hard sometimes, you know, writing does take a lot of effort and it does take some money, but focusing on why it's hard is going to keep you stuck. It's going to keep you not writing, not selling books, not being successful. Okay. So again, not trying to downplay them or say they're, say they're not true, but just look at them from a new perspective and instead say, okay, this is hard right now. How can I make it easier? Okay. Um, it's true that this is going to cost a little bit of money. How can I generate that money? Okay. So it is going to take some work. It's not going to happen overnight, but adopt a solution mindset. That is really the only way that you're going to be able to move past this. So tell me in the chat, um, what kinds of things do you struggle with that you, you know, what, what kinds of negative thoughts have you had about writing or do you have about writing um, on a day-to-day -day basis? Let's see, Sarah says, the assumption that if you aren't struggling, then you can't possibly be creative. Yes, exactly. And in fact, um, oh, I'm going to forget the name of the author, but there's a book called Big Magic that I would recommend for everybody. It's, it's such a great book about creativity and living the creative life. And she talks, she calls it um, a martyr mindset. And that's exactly what you were talking about, Sarah. If you aren't struggling, then it's not good enough. No, <laughs> that's not true. I would submit that, I mean, there's nothing wrong with the struggle, but when you are flowing creatively, which by definition means that you are not stressed out, that's when you're going to do your best work. Okay. But we have this, this really romantic mindset about martyrs. And so we all feel like we have to be martyrs in our writing and that's just not the case. Um, okay. So other, other thoughts is my story good enough? Yes. That I'm a terrible writer because not everyone loves my books. Ooh, that one's good, Melissa. We've got to learn that not everybody is going to love our books, but that we can be an amazing, I mean, think about it this way, guys. Most people love Harry Potter, okay? I love Harry Potter. It's it's a global phenomenon. But there are people who hate Harry Potter, okay? So no matter what book is your favorite book, even if you're not one who likes Harry Potter, everyone hates something and everything that is written is hated by someone. That doesn't mean you're not a fantastic writer, okay? Um, Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. Thank you. Some of you guys knew the author. Thank you. <laughs> um, okay, so Catherine says, the excuse of being too tired, not enough time. Um, is it legit some days? Yes. 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 Okay. So I, I really like that, Catherine. You say that when you're doing a lot of words, you feel like it's falling flat compared to what you imagine. That is very common. It feels like you're writing things that are kind of amateurish in the way they sound. That is totally normal for when you start, but I do have, um, ways, you know, that I teach in my academy for how to get around that and how to make sure that you're really up leveling your writing. But again, it, it comes back to, um, whether you believe that can be done and whether you're willing to do the work in order to, to make that happen. Okay. Um, Sarah says she struggles with imposter syndrome pretty much. Yep. Yep. Imposter syndrome is a big one. Um, <laughs> and yeah, Melissa says your story can be technically perfect, but people can still hate it. So yeah, these, these are good. And you guys, I know that you're in the trenches and that you're doing this every day, that the struggle is real and it's something that everybody goes through. But if you want to be really, really, um, really successful as an author, you need to find ways 
to overcome these things. To a certain extent, imposter syndrome and the struggle will always be with you. You know, I'm not going to say it ever goes completely away, but you can learn to work through them, get through them and find ways to know that, you know, to have confidence that your work is good, that it is up to par, that, you know, that sort of thing. And we're going to get into that as we go throughout the workshop. Okay. So let's see, where am I at? If you want to do this, if you want to be a prolific author, a teller of stories, a changer of lives, as we've as we talked about, there are really three pillars that you need to master. First is the daily writing habit. Now, I know not everybody writes daily. I understand that. Um, there have been times that I write daily and times that I don't. There's different seasons of life. But here's the thing, especially when you're starting out, especially when you're learning and growing as an author, daily writing is pretty much a must. And understand what I mean when I say daily writing. It doesn't have to be six hours a day writing 10,000 words. That's not what we're talking about here. What we're really talking about is creating a habit of writing in your brain. So even if you're only writing 15 minutes a day, even if you can only bust out a couple of paragraphs 10 minutes before you go to bed, doing that every single day will go farther toward creating that habit in your brain than writing once a week 5,000 words. OK, it just will, because creating habits in your brain, you need to do them over and over and over again. And what I always tell people, there, there are so many authors who say, I can only write when the creative muse speaks to me. There's sometimes that I can't write. Now, I'm not saying that's not true, but I, I guarantee they're, they're looking at it the wrong way because there are times I can't write. And it's usually because I'm too tired, you know, and I, I can tell when that's happening. I sit down to write and I just nothing is is flowing for me. You know, <laughs> I can't I can't string two sentences together and I go, OK. I need to go take a nap and I'll come back to this when I'm fresh. So there are definitely times that you can't write, that you're too burnt out, that you're too tired, that life happens. You know, I'm not saying that's not the case, but it has nothing to do with the creative muse. The creative muse comes when you start writing. You, um, I want to say it's Louis L'Amour has the quote about how the water doesn't start flowing until you turn the tap on. Okay, you have to start and then the muse will come. And if you cr uh, cultivate a daily writing habit, you will get to the point where you can snap your fingers and the muse will come. You'll say, okay, I'm sitting down to write and then it will just start flowing. Now, I know that a lot of you probably haven't experienced that before. And so you'll push back and say, that doesn't happen for me. I, I believe you, but it's because you haven't put the processes in, put the work in of, of creating the habit so that that happens, okay? It does take a little bit of work on your part, but you can create that habit so that the muse will come when it's called. And if you want to be a career author and make money off your royalties and live off your royalties, you have to be able to get that muse to come when you call. You can't just write piecemeal every so often when you kind of feel like it. Okay. I like to compare it to, um, uh, you know, something like um, getting in shape physically. Like, let's say I wanted to be a marathon runner. <laughs> and I said, I really want to run a marathon. Well, pretty much anybody I said that to would be like, yeah, more power to you. You can do this. You know, they'd be really encouraging and excited for me. And then if I said, well, yeah, but sometimes I don't feel like running. So I only run when my body really feels like it. <laughs> How much success am I actually going to have? It's going to take me a long time, like years and years and years to figure that out if I say that, okay? But if I run a little bit, even if it's only five or 10 minutes every single day, then I start making leaps and bounds worth of gains toward my goal, okay? So that's what I'm saying about a daily writing habit. This will help you to write more quickly, of course, but also more effectively and more predictably because you will be able to 
get to the point where you know how long it takes you to write a book. And so you can predict how many books a year you can put out and what your income will be. Okay. And that is how really you take control of your business rather than guessing. Guessing is not being in control of your business. Hoping is not being in control of your business. You need to have actual data, which is, you know, basically how long it took you to write a book last time. Therefore, it will take you this long to write a book, you know, and that way you can predict what your business is going to look like. Okay. The next pillar is writing transformational stories. And this is kind of what we were talking about, evoking emotion, connecting with people. Um, you want to connect uh, deeply with, okay, there's a typo there. It's supposed to be readers, not reads. <laughs> And keep them coming back to your work again and again, okay? Guys, this more than anything else is the bedrock of your author business, okay? As I said before, if you don't write a high-quality story, and by high-quality, I'm not even talking about typos. Of course, you want it to be edited so there's no typos, so that there's no passive voice, but you have to be able to connect with um, your readers in an emotional way. And there are specific proven ways to do that, okay? That's a lot of what I teach. Most readers can't even really articulate that. They'll say, oh, this, this story was great, or I really like this character, or they really did this well, but they can't, they're not going to say, oh, this person used this template very well to connect with me on it. No, no. I mean, they're not going to say that. Okay. They, they don't know what that is, but you as the author need to learn what will connect with readers. And it's not about writing a particular thing. You're going to come up with and write your most um, creative and original and, and brilliant story but it's about positioning that story so that the reader automatically connects with it. And then of course, other little processes and things you can drop in that, that bring out the emotion, you know, that will help them connect with it. Um, and what, what you really see when you start doing that is you go from having good or pretty good reviews to, oh my gosh, this book was stellar. You know, wh where is the next book? I can't wait to read what this author puts out. I mean, that's the biggest place you'll see it is in the reviews, but it will also lead to more sales, more mega fans, super fans, that sort of thing. And of course, the third pillar is marketing naturally and with ease. <laughs> this is the hard part. Um, there are a lot of people that out there that teach how, I don't even want to say how to market, how to do certain things, how to set up an ad for Facebook or Amazon, how to email your list, okay? But they don't teach strategies, not, not really, okay? Because how to set up an ad is not a strategy. You have to have strategies in place and know how different platforms work, how, you know, what to do when and how much. And a lot of that is what's not being taught. Okay. So that's what I try to teach people. Um, creating an ad and throwing it up there and, you know, it, different ads, different times, trying it out. That's, it's very much just throwing spaghetti against the wall to see what sticks. Most people do not find success that way. Okay. So the people who say, I tried Amazon ads, they didn't work. I'm, I'm not saying they're lying. They probably really didn't work for them. But if they're just trying various things, they're never going to hit on the right combination of strategies that will actually, actually work for them, but also show them what will work for them. Because what works for me in my books, even if you write the same genre, is not going to work for you in your books. You have to have ways um, to figure out what works for your book. And I can show you how to do that. Um, but again, it's not just throwing spaghetti against the wall. So we want to market naturally and with ease. And the natural part comes from using your writing, your characters, your plot, your world to market. Most people don't do that. We all know that most people, unfortunately, just go on social media and scream, buy my book, buy my book, buy my book. And that's not an effective strategy. But you can use what you already have in your writing to market and people will love it. Okay. One of the things I teach, for example, is um, uh, email marketing. Now, there's lots of courses and books about how to email your list, you know, 
introduce yourself, tell them what to expect from you, tell them what you write. Usually there's some sort of lead magnet involved where you, where you give them a free story or a free book. But what about after that? How do you guide them through your backlist? How do you get them excited to read your stories? Okay. You already have everything you need to do that because you've written a story. You've got characters, you've got worlds, you've got um, hooks, you've got conflicts, and you can use those to really get your readers into your stories and sell books that way. Okay. And that's something that I teach you to do. So you're marketing, marketing naturally based on what you already have, not just screaming, sell my book, not using um, kind of the sleazy used car salesman tactics. You know, that's what you want to get away from. Okay. So you want to do it naturally and with ease. If marketing is stressful, we all know you're not going to do it. Right. So you've got to come up with something that makes you comfortable and that is not going to stress you out and be hard. And of course, that's that's something we all we all struggle with. We're all somewhat introverted. Authors mostly are. And we don't want to do the marketing part. But what if I could teach you to do it so that you loved it, not so that you were afraid of it? Okay, there's there's the difference. Naturally and with ease. Okay. Um, let's see. So next we are going to talk about um the six habits that all successful authors have. And I am going to tie this into how to write more high quality words in a short time, but let's kind of explain them a little bit first. So the, the six successful habits, and a lot of these come from um, Brendan Burchard. He, he's not talking about authors when he talks about things like this. He's talking about successful people in general. So that's why we're going to kind of go through them and then I'm going to apply them to you as an author. Okay. So they are seek clarity, purposely create or cultivate creative energy. I'm going to go through each of these individually. So don't worry. Be comfortable with high stakes. Put productivity processes into play. <laughs> yes, that is an alliteration. That was the first one that I did that was an alliteration. And then I tried to make a few others of them. <laughs> I was just having fun. Um, this is the nerdy author coming at me. Okay. Um, influence intentionally. There's another one. And demonstrate courage. All right. So let's talk about these. Seeking clarity. Seeking clarity um, mostly means when something's not working for you, you need to look at what it is and figure out why. Okay. And then try to fix it. So most authors, they'll say, I put up 16 Amazon ads. I couldn't get them to work. Either they wouldn't turn on or they weren't spending, or um, I'm spending more than I'm making, or you know what I mean? And then they just throw up their hands and say, it doesn't work. Okay. That is not getting clarity. Clarity is figuring out the problem, figuring out why it's not working and then fixing it. Okay, that is clarity. And successful people always seek clarity because you cannot be successful. You cannot move forward if you don't understand what you're doing wrong. Okay, you must seek clarity. Purposely cre cultivating creative energy. Okay, this can be a lot of things. Part of it is what we've already talked about, creating a habit so that you can get the muse to come when you want. That is purposely cultivating your creative energy. But it can be also other things, external things. It can be... Um, your workspace, making sure it's uncluttered, making sure that your everything is geared toward writing, getting rid of distractions. You know, we all, we all hear about this in the author space, but there are certain things you can do, like um, perhaps using a particular scent, like a candle or um, a diffuser or something, because what will happen is you'll create a habit in your brain where every time you smell that, your brain instantly gets into writing mode. Okay, so let's say I was using orange um, essential oil, and I use that every time I sat down to write, when you start, you know, smelling that, it will instantly put you into the writing mode. Okay. So I would encourage you to try that. Use the same habits every day. Um, we hear this a lot with actors that they have certain processes they go through before they actually go on stage or go on camera. And some of them are weird. They, they might do 
certain handshakes or, or do some little dance to get their, their jitters out or, you know, make some sort of weird noise, like, you know, because they know they have to say lines and they're trying to, you know, get everything out. So that they, okay. There's nothing wrong with that. That actually helps them to be in the zone. So I would encourage you to do the same thing with your writing, come up with these sorts of things to purposely cultivate your creative energy. And it does help it, it's, you know, it might not make a huge difference the first or second time, but over time you'll find that it does help you get into the zone. Oh, the other thing we can talk about with this, and I'm, I'm not going to go into it too much, is um, diet and exercise. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a dietitian. I'm not a nutritionist. So I'm not going to preach about this. But I can tell you that what you eat, what you put into your body, and how much you move absolutely affects your clarity of mind. And because you are a writer, because what you are actually trying to accomplish here is so cerebral. Okay, that's different from someone who's trying to run a marathon, that's physical, that's the physical body. But here we're doing stuff that is very, very cerebral by telling these stories, keeping track of all the details of these stories. So if you want to be really good at it and to the point where you're not messing up the details, um, you know, screwing something up continuity wise, any of that, it really does help to take care of yourself to create your own mental clarity. Okay, so just something to keep in mind, but of course that's gonna be very personal. Um, be comfortable with high stakes. Now, what I mean by this, I'm not actually asking you to go gamble, but we tend to really stress ourselves out about things that are important or a big deal. Okay, so we have to learn to be comfortable with something that is pretty heavy. So what I mean by this is we might say, I want to write this story um, and dedicate it to my father. Sometimes that can really stress us out because then all of a sudden it has to be perfect, okay? I'm not saying that you shouldn't make it as perfect as you can, but you also have to stop stressing about it, okay? This is a mindset thing. Be comfortable with high stakes. Be positive about it. Be excited about it, okay? So don't say, I have to write this book perfectly or I'm not gonna make a paycheck. No, on the contrary, say, I get to write this book and man, I'm gonna make an awesome paycheck, okay? Now, like I said, that's that, that's very much a mindset thing. But if you want to be successful at this, you've got to get rid. It really just goes back to getting rid of the um, the martyr mindset or the starving artist mindset, right? You have to be positive about it. And you have to be okay with the high stakes. Because, guys, writing a book is always going to be high stakes, okay? You're putting your creative heart out on the line. You're creating something that is very personal to you. You're going to put it out there for the masses to see on the internet where we know there are trolls and not so nice people sometimes. And you're hoping to make a buck or two off of it, okay? Those are very high stakes, but you've got to be comfortable with them and allow yourself to be confident and not stressed out so that your you know, creativeness can flow. The second you start to go, oh no, oh no, high stakes, what do I do? Boom your success just goes down the drain. Okay. So learn to be comfortable with high stakes. I know that it's difficult to do and that a lot of people struggle with it, but the best way to cultivate that is um, just to practice at it. Catch yourself with those negative thoughts and turn them into more positive thoughts. So, you know, when you have that thought, stop and say, okay, okay, I'm being stressed out here. What can I do that's Whew, more calm, more zen, you know what I mean? And it just takes practice. The more that you practice that, the fewer negative thoughts you'll have over time, okay? And we are gonna talk about something at the end very practical that you can do to help with this. Uh, put productivity processes into play. If there was anything in a single line that I could say that I do, this is what I do. I teach authors processes 
that will help them be successful, okay? With any business, whether it's writing or something else, you cannot do everything by yourself. Now, the way that we see this in the author world is it's really hard to write the book, edit the book, um, you know, proofread the book, uh, what's the word, format the book, and then do all the ads and then make sure you hit publish. And then do, I mean, there's a lot of stuff to do. Okay. Now I know that most people when they start out can't afford to hire an assistant or anything, but you can make this so much easier on yourself and really get a handle on everything. If you put processes into place that will help you be successful, that's what we're going for here. Okay. And successful people always do that. Um, influence intentionally. We're going to talk about this more in, in just a minute, but we're not really talking about influencers on social media. That's what we tend to think of these days. Influence equals influencer. But that's not what I mean. Um, the true definition of someone who is an influencer is someone who teaches other people how to think about something. Okay. So it's really not that, I mean, sure, if we are looking for someone to follow in our niche and we see that they have a million followers, we might say, oh, well, they have a lot of followers, so they must know what they're doing and we might follow them. Like, of course, of course, that's a thing on the internet. But true influencers teach people how to think and, and how to better see the world. And so even if you did that, even if you followed someone who had a million followers, if they're not really speaking to your soul, if they're not, you know, giving you something that's really um, valuable, you're going to kind of be like, yeah. And after a while, you'll drop off and kind of forget about them. Right. Okay. So true influencers teach people how to think about the world. And I got news for you guys. You can be influencers. And I don't mean on social media. I'm not talking about getting a thousand followers who are your readers on social media. That's great if you can do that, but that's not what I'm talking about. The best way for you to influence people is through your stories, through what you actually write. And like I said, I'm going to come back to that in just a minute. We'll talk more about it. Um, demonstrate courage. Now, the biggest example of courage in our day is not fighting wars or, you know, going up against a lion with a rock or anything like that. It's simply taking action. Most people in the face of uncertainty become paralyzed and they don't want to take action because they don't know what to do. True courage in our world in 2022 is taking action in the face of uncertainty. Okay. If you really want to be successful as an author, You've got to kick indecision and writer's block to the curb, and you've got to take action. Okay. Again, we'll go more into that in just a minute. Let's see. Um, so here is something that I want you to understand. You absolutely can write prolifically. In your lifetime now, you can do this quickly and efficiently and with a lot of confidence. See, the problem is that most authors believe that the pace at which they're going right now, the pace at which they're writing and putting out books, is as fast as they'll ever go, that it's not possible for them to go faster. I hear this so much. Well, that's great for you, but that doesn't work for me. Now, I'm, I'm not at all trying to downplay that because I, I believe them when they say that, but they're also really limiting themselves by making that assumption, okay? And I, I do understand this because I used to be the same way. During those years when I was struggling, only writing maybe one book a year. I mean, there were times that I decided to take a semester off college to get a book written and it didn't happen a semester later. I still only had half a chapter, you know, we've all been there. So I do understand why people say this, but I got news for you. Every super successful author out there, Stephen King, um, JK Rowling, Stephanie Meyer, whoever your favorite author is or whoever you consider really, really financially successful, okay? 
they all thought the same thing at some point. But at some point, they also put that aside and decided to be open-minded and figure it out. Put processes in place, do the work, and guess what? They achieved success, okay? If you keep believing that you cannot write you know, faster or more effectively than you are right now, then you never will. Your thoughts will determine your reality, okay? So what you need to do, what I'm asking you to do is to shift your mindset a little bit be open-minded enough to know that you can learn processes, even if you don't know what they are right now, that will help you get there, okay? Don't be stubbornly stuck in what you're already doing, unless what you're already doing is working. I mean, if it's if you're making tons of money, living on your royalties, publishing at the, at the pace you want to and all of that, then hey, keep doing that. Don't, don't fix it if it's not broke. But if you want to be somewhere and you're not there yet, then be open-minded about the fact that there are processes that can get you there. You just have to be willing to put in the work to learn them. Okay. Now, a lot of people are going to push back against that. You know, they're going to say things like, yeah, but the writing process is very personal. It's very individual. And what works for some will not work for all. And that's true. And actually, you know, with the things that I teach in my academy, I encourage people to tailor them to their own writing process. That's something you have to do because you're right. It is individual. But I just want you to ask yourself, is it more important to focus on uh, being right with the process you already have, or to focus on why it's not going to work for you? Or is it more important to focus on, you know, go back to that solution mindset, focus on what can get it to work for you? Okay, what do I need to do to make this happen? Which one of those do you think is more important? Totally up to you guys. <laughs> so if you are ready to write more high quality words, write more effectively and write them more quickly, then you need to start believing that you can. That's the first thing. And then the next thing that people always say is, yeah, but won't that be really hard? I mean, people are envisioning that if they're going to write quickly, if they're going to get several books out a year or more, that it's going to be so much work. And I just know that they're envisioning sitting at their computer 18 hours a day, you know, tearing their hair out, trying to get this done. Okay. Again, I understand because I used to think that too, but that is not the case. That is not the case. Most people know and I'm sure you guys have um, experienced this too, that you can only write so long before your brain kind of gets fried, right? We all know that. Um, and, and that's true of really successful writers as well. I can tell you that Stephen King does not sit at his computer 18 hours a day and he still has well over a hundred novels. And he's, for having a hundred novels, guys, he's not that old. He hasn't been around for like 200 years or anything, right? Okay, so despite what some of his you know, books might say. Um, the point is, let me ask you this. Does everyone um, who is really, really successful work super, super hard like that? No, like I just told you, Stephen King doesn't. He gets his writing in every day. He definitely has a daily writing habit, but he famously has said in his... Um, uh, what do you call it, his memoir, his writing memoir, that he only writes 2,000 words a day and it takes him an hour or two. That's it. The rest of the day, he goes about his business, okay? And on the flip side, let me ask you this. Maybe this is an even more relevant question. Does hard work always mean that you will be successful? No. There are so many people who work their butts off and we're talking 12, 18-hour days and they're not successful. Not, not, not by what, you know, 
most people's definition of success would be. Okay. And I would, I would submit that you are probably already working really hard. You're already trying to get your writing and you, and you know, most of us have jobs and spouses and children and a million things to do. We do work hard. And if you don't have that success yet, well, maybe working harder isn't really the answer you're looking for. So what is the answer? Putting these processes into place that I'm talking about help you work smarter, not harder. It helps you get more done in a smaller amount of time. So once again, we have authors that say, yeah, but the season of life I'm in right now, I can only write two hours a day. And because I only write you know, this fast, it's going to take me forever to get a book done. And I don't know how to increase that because I can't put more time toward it. Okay. Yeah, totally. That's okay. That's okay. The processes will teach you to be more productive in that time so that instead of writing 500 words in that time, you can write a thousand or more. Okay. It will also teach you how to use that time. I mean, if you're constantly guessing about what you're doing in both the writing and like in the, the marketing department, then you spend most of your time researching and trying to figure out what you're going to do rather than actually doing it. Okay. So if you have these processes that will streamline everything and tell you exactly step-by-step step what to do, then you automatically become more productive without putting in longer hours or more work. That's what we're going for here. Okay. So next question. Uh, do you want to keep doing what you've always done and guessing and possibly wasting time? Or would you rather learn these processes that will shortcut you to success? I don't know. You guys tell me, would you, which one would you rather do? I need some water. Um, let's see. So, um, again, I, I'm sorry, I can't see your name, but you say my struggle is to write detailed, flawed characters that readers love and getting slowed down and not progressing. Yes. And you still work full time. Okay. So that's very, very common. And I, I completely understand that is really hard to figure out, but these processes will help you know that your readers will love those characters. You won't have to be guessing anymore about that. And it will help you take whatever time you have around your full-time job. And you can be just like hyper productive during that time because you'll already know what you're going to be doing. Um, let's see. Sarah struggles with editing. Crappy first draft. And then you waste time going back and rewriting. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. That is something that a lot of authors do. And I understand. I can teach you to edit. Um, one of the one of the things I teach is editing for passive voice. I, this is a little off topic, but I can tell you that. Remember earlier when we talked about how your writing feels like it's flat compared to what you had envisioned, and I told you, you know, it, it kind of sounds amateurish compared to you know the books you write, and you're not sure how to fix that. Passive voice is always the reason. So I teach people to edit specifically for that. And when you learn to edit for that, your writing will start to sound a lot better and a lot more professional. So you won't really think that anymore. That said, <laughs> you also do, I, there's one thing I can't really teach you. You have to teach yourself to not be such a perfectionist that you keep going back again and again and again when you don't need to. Okay. So that's, that's also a skill that you need to cultivate. Um, but just know that you're not alone in that. A lot of us do that. And a lot of us struggle with that. Um, okay. So people want to learn processes. I'm ready to learn. Oh, I'm so glad. Um, yes, there will be a replay. Um, I will send it out via email, but that'll also live in the Facebook group. So, um, committing to a re regular schedule. Yes. Um, okay. So yeah, definitely. And that is another thing I teach. I've got something inside uh, the Academy called the 75 day writing challenge that will teach you how to, um, schedule your time 
And it's okay if it's different times on different days and things like that. But yeah, that is definitely a big one. You need to block out time to write and it needs to be the priority during that time. If you just say, oh, I'll probably write tomorrow, but I got to get this other stuff done first, guys. <laughs> Let's face it, you're not going to get it done. Okay, so that is definitely something that you need to um, commit to. And I, I hear you on that. Okay, so we are going to go back to those six habits that I talked about um, and talk about really what they look like for authors, right? So seeking clarity, figuring out what's not working and fixing it. So the first way you need to do this is through your writing. We've been talking about this this whole time and you guys are putting these in the chat and I love that. Okay, you're having a hard time with scheduling. You're having a hard time getting enough words down. You're having a hard time not meandering when you're writing and actually you know, focusing on getting the writing done. All of these things, you need to sit back, figure out what the problem is. You know, So um, let's use an example. If you're meandering and you're not sure why, or if you, you know, we said you, you were not sure that your, your readers would love your characters, well, then you need to learn to flesh out that character in a way that you know it will connect with readers, okay? That's something that you need to figure out, and then you won't have that problem when you're writing. Um, if you're having a hard time scheduling because you haven't committed to the time, you need to get out a calendar, sit down, look at your schedule, and figure out when during the week, and it can be different times on different days, that you have time to write, block it out, and commit to that. Now, Every so often something's going to come up and it's going to change and that's fine. Life happens. We all know that. But if you will do that, that will make the intention of it, you know, doing that purposefully and committing to it. And, you know, by all means, tell other people. If, they, if you have kids or a spouse that comes in, tell them, this is what I'm writing. I need not to be disturbed unless, you know, there's something bad enough to uh, call the police or go to the hospital or something. That will help a lot. You know, there's still going to be little bugs and, and things that need to be worked out, but it will help you a lot. Okay, so it's figuring out what's not working, why it's not working, and ways to fix it. Have a solution mindset. Um, purposely cultivating creative energy. We kind of talked about this, your health, your workspace, and your process. We talked about your process, okay? If, if you cannot seem to wake up enough to write in the morning, maybe you should write in the evening, okay? Or maybe you should write on your lunch break. Part of it is that you need to test this. You might say, no, 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 I'm, I'm a morning person. I get up and write in the morning. And then you test the lunch break and go, whoa, I just wrote like 500 words more on my lunch break than I've ever written in a morning session. Okay. So it's also being willing to test it and see what works for you. And this is what most people don't want to do. I understand why, you know, it's hard. It's like, oh, I wish I could just figure it out and not have to test it. Like we all, we all, we all think that we've all been there, but the people who are truly successful are the ones who test it and don't have a problem doing that. Okay. Because they're looking for that clarity. They're looking for that process that works best for them. Okay, so you do have to put in the work and purposely cultivate your creative energy. Um, be comfortable with the high stakes. I did talk about this in a lot of detail earlier. Um, try to get rid of your fear, guys. We all feel fear, but fear is what is crippling you and fear is what is holding you back. So when you feel uncertainty, let's say you're writing and you're sitting here thinking, I'm afraid that my readers are not going to connect with this character. Put that thought out of your mind and just think to yourself, I'm going to write it to the best of my ability, and I believe that it will connect with somebody. It's not going to connect with everybody. And just, you know, have a positive mindset for it and then go for it. Okay. So there's a man named Clint Johnson, um, who I've met several times at writers' conferences. He's a great guy. And he talks about something called the, oh, let's see, the inevitability of disappointment. And this is not just something that happens to writers. This is something that happens to all creatives. And what it means is that, and he goes into a lot of really kind of the sciencey aspect of it, which I will, will not do, but he talks about how 
when you get a new idea that is new to you, we all know there's no truly original stories anymore, but an idea that's new to you, you get really excited about it. Okay. It sets off this um, chemical reaction in your brain that produces euphoria. Okay. So you're excited about it. At some point, your brain gets used to the idea. So it's not new to your brain anymore. And it's not that it's a downer, but compared to the euphoria you felt before, it kind of feels like a downer. And that can happen almost instantly. Like you get an idea and then go, nah, that's stupid. Or you can work on something for months and then all of a sudden have this disappointment hit you like, oh my gosh, I've been working on this so long. What if nobody likes it? Okay. We all go through it. It is part of the creative process. Okay. That's why he calls it the inevitability of disappointment. We're going to feel that at some point. But I think the key is just to recognize that it's normal, that everybody feels it and just push through it. So for me, what I always say, I've said this several times, I just tell the inevitability of disappointment to go to hell and then I just keep writing. Okay, just keep going. No matter what you feel, you've got to just know that it's normal and push through it. Okay, so be comfortable with the high stakes in your writing. <laughs> and, you know, you could you could even actually, now that I'm thinking about it, you could even uh, apply this to writing of your story, which I can go over more tomorrow. But make your stories epic, be comfortable with those high stakes, be comfortable really kind of smacking your characters down and putting them through the crap because that, you know, the, the more dramatic, the more epic your story is, the more the readers will connect with it emotionally. So again, kind of a, kind of a different subject and we will cover that tomorrow, but that's another way you can look at it. Um, whoops, went one too far. All right. So, um, put the productivity, productivity processes in play. This is, includes your writing process, which I've already talked about, getting your writing process down and something that works for you and is effective. In terms of writing your book, you need to have processes so that you can know very well and flesh out your world, your characters. They should be jumping off the page. If they're not, that's a problem. Um, the inner transformation. Inner transformation is one of the biggest things that I teach. Okay. This, you guys might have seen a video on this, depending on how you um, came to this workshop, but most people back burner the inner stuff. I mean, I mean, it's there. Most writers do know that their characters need to change and grow over the course of their story. That's kind of understood, but they still back burner it. It's an afterthought. You are leaving so much emotion on the table if you do that and your reader will not connect with your story as deeply. So you need to have a process for making sure your inner transformation is there. And that way you will know that that's like the biggest way right there to know that your characters or your uh, readers, excuse me, will um, really connect with your story. Of course, there's um, kicking out the plot. Um, the nuances, I, this is just something I teach. Once you have all these other things, you know, really handled, then you can do the nuances, which are details, which are um, theme, repetition, foreshadow, symbolism, all of that. And those really elevate your story. Most authors don't even think about that when they're writing a story. But if you have processes to put it in place so that you're not forgetting it, or it's not hard, you're just going through and making sure that it's there, um, then it becomes really easy. And that's really going to elevate that probably more than anything else is what's going to get you your super fans. Okay. Um, and then of course, marketing, you need processes and strategies, as I talked about before for marketing. So th that is what it looks like to put processes into play for a successful author. You need processes for all of these things. And it's a lot. It is. I mean, we all know this. Writing a book is a big process. Okay. It's not something you're going to do in a day. It's not something you're just going to go, huh, I'll just sit down and do that. I mean, do you know how many people in the world, probably three quarters of them, three quarters of adults say they want to write a book and the vast majority of them never do it because it's too much work. It's too hard. It's too much of a mental effort, right? We have done it or are doing it because we feel called to write stories. But if we want to do it in the long term and be very prolific, we need to get some of these processes in place. Influence intentionally. Okay. So I said I would talk about this more. 
I told you at the beginning that writing fictional stories can change the world because it evokes emotion and it creates connections between people and it enhances our humanity. It keeps us humane. People without story tend to be cold. They tend to be distant. Um, they tend to not have any sympathy or empathy. Okay. So I have no idea if this is true, but I, I would submit that maybe true sociopaths never read an awesome story. I mean, maybe that's the whole problem. But the problem is, the thing is, I think it's probably the other way. They don't want to because they don't have empathy, so they don't understand fiction, right? Um, so if you want to influence intentionally through your stories, the best thing you can do is, is kind of what I just talked about, putting these processes in place because it helps you to make sure that everything is there that a human being reading your story will connect with. Okay, so again, it's not about telling you what to write in your story or how to write your story. That's that's a, a big pushback people, you know, give is I want to write what I want to write. Don't tell me what to write, that sort of thing. But that's that's not really what we're talking about here. You're going to come up with your story. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be brilliant. It's going to be your genius. But you can take whatever story that is, whatever genre you write and position it so that you know the reader will connect with it. And that is how you intentionally influence them. And that is what's going to lead to you being a social media influencer, um, a high selling author, having lots of mega fans, all of that. So you have to intentionally influence. And there are ways to do that. And of course, you have to demonstrate courage, which is kicking writer's block and indecision to the curb. I literally have trainings on writer's block and on um, blowing past indecision. Now, I think we're all pretty familiar with writer's block. I do not believe in the classic definition of writer's block. Of course, we can all get blocked sometimes and need to figure something out in our story. But um, I've told this story many times. When I was a little kid in, in grade school, they showed us a, a video. It would have been in the probably early 90s. Um, I don't know who the author was. I have no idea. He was probably a children's book author. And they did this whole segment on writer's block and how sometimes he doesn't write for months and months at a time. Guys, there's just no excuse for that. Okay. If that's the case, if you're blocked for that long and can't get past it, then writing is probably not your calling. Okay. But there are ways to push through writer's block pretty quickly within a few hours or a few days. Okay. Or to just figure out whatever it is. And I have trainings on that. Um, in terms of indecision, this comes, it's in a lot of ways, it's almost the opposite of writer's block, but it's when you actually have a lot of different ideas for where you want to go and you're not sure which one to pick. And all I usually say, and, and you know, you, you learn more about the details of this in the academy, is that you have to pick one and get started. If it's not the right one, you'll know it really quickly. And then maybe you'll have to switch to a different one. If it is the right one, as you start writing, it'll get better and better and better. And you'll, you'll know pretty quickly that you picked the right one. Okay. But you have to start. You can't let it paralyze you. You have to get started. Okay. So demonstrating courage sometimes is as simple as picking an ending, even if you're not sure about it and writing toward that ending, because you will figure it out as you go. Okay. Don't let it paralyze you. If you want to be successful, you have to demonstrate courage, which means taking action. Okay. So what are the actual processes for writing more effectively? I'm sure that is what you are wondering next. The first is daily writing, which we talked about. Um, I have a 75-day writing challenge. And it's really, though, it's, it's not even so much about what you write. It's not about writing in and of itself. It's about developing mental toughness, okay, so that you're writing all the time so that you can bring that muse to your fingertips anytime you want it, okay? So you don't even have to be writing your story when you do this. Um, I say, you know, 
sit down and write a journal entry, write about an experience you had, but, you know, maybe write it in the third person or however it is you write your stories and write it as if you're writing it in fiction or, you know, get online. If you get on Pinterest, there are literally millions of writing prompts. Do a writing prompt, write for 10 or 15 minutes, just get the writing habit down. That's going to help you a lot. Okay, journaling. This is something that gets a lot of pushback, but every single client I've had who's done it has seen tremendous success. I'm pretty sure Robert is not here with us live today because uh, he lives in um, Australia, but he was one recently who told me this, okay? And, and this is true of everything, not just writing. Anything that you want to do, journaling produces self-awareness. So what I mean is you sit down after you're done writing, you take a journal, like a it could be a notebook and a pen, whatever you want, you can type it out in Word, whatever works for you. And think about what your struggles were, what you had trouble with. Um, you know, be really detailed. I wrote for 10 minutes and then I started to struggle. I, I, I was having a hard time getting the words to come. Okay, so that tells you that 10 minutes in, you're having trouble. Is it just that you're not used to writing more than 10 minutes or is it more the subject matter? You hit something that wasn't well fleshed out and so you didn't know where to go with it. Depending on what the answer is, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> that's going to tell you a lot about where you are in your writing process. Okay, so you're just journaling for self-awareness. Figure out what the problem is, you know, include specific details about what you were struggling with and, of course, about what you did well with. And then you'll be able to compare them to previous days. And most people don't do this because it's too much work. Okay, so you need to know that doing this makes a difference. So like I said, one of my students, Robert, he said this to me recently. He's like, wow. I started journaling. That works. And I was like, I know. <laughs> and I've done the same thing. Like people have told me to journal for different things, different, you know, coaches that I had and everything. And I'd be like, uh, I'll, I'll do it tomorrow, you know? And, and then when you actually start doing it, you just can grow by leaps and bounds. So I'm going to suggest that start writing daily, even if it's only five or 10 minutes, a paragraph, and then sit down and journal and just give your thoughts on that writing session. What did you do well? What was easy? What was not easy? Do you know why? What did you struggle with? I mean, it, it can just literally be a paragraph or two. It doesn't have to be a whole two-page journal entry, okay? It's just to cultivate self-awareness about where you're struggling and how to fix it. And believe me, it works and it works fast. All right, next thing. Become an expert in story psychology and what I call the human template. So we are going to talk about this more tomorrow. This is, again, in that vein of writing transformational stories so that you know your readers will connect with them. And, you know, we're not focusing on this today. So come tomorrow and that's what we'll talk about. But all humans absorb story in exactly the same way. I'm going to say that again. All humans absorb story in exactly the same way. That's important. If you understand how they absorb story and what to do, what you need to include to help them connect with your story, you have the formula to be successful every single time with every single story you tell and every single book you write. And so many people refuse to take advantage of that for various reasons, okay? But if you can become an expert in story psychology and the way in which humans absorb story, you will never have to worry about not connecting with your readers ever. How valuable would that be to you to learn that? Tell me in the chat, how valuable would that be to you? <laughs> Sarah pushes back against journaling because you hate it. I, I understand, I do. Try to find a way that you don't hate it and, and just keep it short so that you're not uh, torturing yourself, but it will help if you do it, I promise you, Sarah. Okay, gold, good. I'm glad it's worth gold to you. Looking forward to lots of things in tomorrow's talk, good. 
good. Awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I mean, this is story psychology and the telling of stories and how to put them together and these templates, priceless, great. Um, that's like my favorite thing to talk about and to really geek out about. So I could go on and on and on about this, but I won't, we're, we're already running kind of long here. So I will keep going. The next thing is planning and habits. Okay. Um, here's the thing. People, a lot of, a lot of writers, they, it's kind of a, it's kind of a belief in our system or in our, um, space, excuse me, um, that writing a book quickly automatically means that it will be low quality. And I do understand because there are a lot of low quality books that are written quickly. I mean, we, we know that, especially in the early days of Amazon, people could throw a book together really fast, pop it up there and make all this money. And it was terribly written, right? So we, it becomes kind of a, kind of a stigma in our, in our space. But here's the thing. I want to, I want to ask you a question. Um, are all books that are written that quickly really low quality? I, I don't know if you personally know the answer to that. If you haven't read a book that was written quickly, or you just might not know how fast they were written, but I can tell you they're not. Okay. There are a lot of people who write books very quickly, faster than I write them even, and produce really high quality work. I've seen it. Okay. And on the flip side, does every book that takes two or three years to write, is it automatically a masterpiece? <laughs> Nope. <laughs> that I can promise you. Okay. There are books that take a long time to write that are terrible. So the point is the variable here is not about how long it takes you to write. It's about getting the high quality in there. It's about getting um, the story structure in there, you know, the, the story psychology. So people connect with it. It's about bringing out the emotion. Okay. It has nothing to do with how fast the book is written or how slow it is written. It's only about the quality. And that's just kind of a, a misunderstanding among people that speed equals higher low quality. It doesn't. Higher low quality equals higher low quality and speed has nothing to do with it. Okay. Because think about it this way. <clears throat> Let's say you have a writer who uses a particular process to write a fantastic book and it's going to take him, I'm just going to throw a number out, a hundred hours to make it easy to write that book. Maybe it's a short book. Okay. Well, if he can only um, a lot about an hour a week to writing that book, then it's going to take him a hundred weeks to write it because he needs a hundred hours to make sure it's high quality. That's almost two years. Now, on the other hand, if he can allot 40 hours a week to it, it's only going to take him three weeks because that gave him his hundred hours to make sure it was high quality. Do you see what I mean? It's not the time that, that, um, is what determines quality. It's just that he put, you know, that he takes the time to put every single thing in, no matter how much time that is. Does that make sense? So you have to kind of get out of this mindset that you can't write more quickly or more efficiently. I am not at all telling anyone to write a low quality book and pop it up for sale. That's not what I teach. But I'm saying you got to get out of this mindset that you can't do things more efficiently and build your backlist faster. Okay, so get on board with these habits. <laughs> and the habits are <clears throat> exactly what I just told you. Okay. Establish a daily writing habit. And, you know, at first you might just want to do, like I said, small things, a paragraph here, use a writing prompt just to get the daily writing habit down. But by all means, write your book if you want to write your book, even if it's, you know, only 10 or 15 minutes a day, look at where you were, get the next paragraph down, move on. You know, and of course, if you want to write more than 10 minutes a day, do that. I mean, most of you are probably writing more than that as it is. But my point is just write every day. Okay. So that's write every day. Um, Part of it is getting down the story structure and the story psychology, which we'll talk about tomorrow. But if you already know that in advance, 
it makes it a lot easier. So there's a book called um, 2K to 10K that you can get on Amazon by Rachel. Maybe somebody knows her last name. I'm sorry. I'm really terrible with last names. Um, and her basically her whole premise is that to write faster, you need to plan in advance so that you're not sitting here at your keyboard like, oh, what happens next? I mean, the point is you already know so you can whip through it. Okay. So I'm a big proponent of using that story psychology to at least have some idea what you're going. There's still plenty of room for pantsing, believe me, and we'll go into that tomorrow. But just even knowing a little bit about where you're going will make a big difference. Okay. So planning, <clears throat> putting processes into place, writing faster. These are the things that will help you write more high quality words in a shorter amount of time. Okay. Uh, baby steps. Yes. Rachel Aaron. Thank you. <laughs> I knew somebody would know. <laughs> thank you very much. All right. So, um, I do have a little bit of homework for you, despite the picture. I'm not going to make you do math, I promise. The first thing is that I would like you after today to sit down with a calendar. It can be a printed out calendar on your phone, digital, whatever you want, and figure out the times that you can write every day. And even I, I would challenge you. I mean, this is you guys, they're not pleased for this. I'm not going to be checking. Okay. So this is all about you up leveling your own writing and competing against yourself. I would challenge you, even if you have a day when you've always said, I can't write because I'm too busy. See if you can find time to write. Like I said, it can be 10 minutes, a single paragraph before you go to bed, but find that time to write. It will make a difference. Okay. I promise you that. Um, so that's the first thing, but that is more personal and something for you to do on your own if you want to up level your writing. The second thing is that I want you to just post in the Facebook group what your biggest takeaways or your biggest ahas were from this training. Okay. Um, tomorrow, I'm going to give away the first of several gift cards. It's just going to be an, an Amazon $20 gift card. And I'm going to pick randomly, kind of a random drawing from people who did the homework and, um, you know, put answers in the Facebook group. So if you want to be in on that drawing, then just go put your biggest takeaways in there. All right. So we really do need to wrap up. We've been going almost 90 minutes. But does anyone have any questions that I could answer um, about writing higher quality words in a shorter period of time or anything else we've talked about? Sarah says, I'm going to try writing in the afternoon, even though I'm a morning writer. That's good. That's good. I think it's good to change it up and just see what happens. And, you know, the worst thing that could happen is it doesn't really work and you go back to morning writing, but then at least you'll know that you're not much of an afternoon writer. So that's, that's really good, Sarah, that you're willing to do that. Um, anybody else? Grab some water here. All right. Well, if... You're going to try journaling. Good. Thank you, Danielle. I'm, I'm glad you're going to try journaling. I hope that you get a lot of, um, a lot of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Worth out of it. Like it's, it's, I think it'll really help you a lot. Um, this was so full of aha moments, lots of strategies and ideas. Thank you, Sarah. Okay. So if no one has any specific questions and I, I will have times to ask questions throughout the week. So if you think of something later, you can post it below this post and I'll try to, um, I'll try to keep popping in and, and commenting on things today. Um, but there will also be time in later sessions to ask questions. So um, keep in mind as you go that you have stories in, uh, in you that only you can tell. So I don't want to be too soapboxy about this. But guys, we all know that the last two years have really been difficult for a lot of people. Okay, there's a lot of people struggling, a lot of people going through things. And I'm, I'm not at all trying to downplay that. But this is actually a really amazing time to be alive because there's so much craziness going on in the world. Okay. And you could say that about lots of other historical eras. You could have said that, you know, the people who lived through World War I or World War II said the same thing. 
um, you know, really any major historical event, uh, and it doesn't have to be a world war, it can be smaller things that happened in various countries or to various individuals. But the point is, there are going to be so many stories that come out of this period of time. And not only are you living through it, but on top of that, you have the gift of storytelling. Okay, you're going to be able to tell amazing transformational stories that came out of this period of time in your life. And I want you to be able to do that. Okay, the world is waiting for your stories. The world needs your stories for its own psychological health. You know, it, it, it needs the hope and the transcendence that, that you can bring it and that you can give. Okay, so why not learn how to write those stories and reach the people who need them? That's the question I want to leave you with. And as I say, it's kind of a tagline in my um, podcast in terms of the monetary side of things. There is always a market for awesome. So the easiest thing, like really high level, vague thing that I could tell you to do is, oh, yeah, it's easy to be an author. It's easy to uh, get mega fans and be super, super successful. You just got to write something that's really awesome. <laughs> but of course, not quite that simple. We got to figure out how to do that. Right. But remember that if you can figure that out you'll always have a market for your writing, always, okay? Because people want those amazing stories, all right? So with that, um, go post in the Facebook group and maybe sit down and figure out your daily writing habit. And I will be back tomorrow to talk about how to write these transformational stories. Thank you so much to everyone who was here live and who commented. I really, really appreciate your, in your input. And uh, remember that we'll be doing some um, gift cards tomorrow. And yeah, it'll be fun. I'm excited. So I'll see you then, okay? Everyone have a wonderful day and goodbye. me again. Before you go, if you found value in this episode, I would love it if you could leave me a review. Reviews are the best way to show your appreciation and help others find this podcast. Be sure to screenshot it, share it on your favorite social media network, and tag me at LK Hill Books. Remember, the world needs your stories. Only you can change someone's heart with your fire-breathing dragons, your mind-blowing mysteries, your epic romances, and your intense thrillers. So join the revolution and be a prolific author.